Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. G'day and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson, the podcast. Hello, Kevin, and have we got another huge show for you? Uh, absolutely. A terrific guest. His name is Bill McDonough, the drummer of Australian Crawl. And let me tell you, one of the mm. prime songwriters of uh, some of the biggest hits, and I, I know you're a massive fan, and uh, songs that at the Tarwin Lower uh, <laughs> you, you, were, you were dancing to with all your friends because they were they were the, one of the hottest bands in the country. Absolutely. Bill McDonough, uh, look, it was such a pleasure to speak to him and to actually uh, find out some of the um, – sometimes tragic, sometimes amazing, oh, yeah. compelling events that have happened in his life, which he opens up about all sorts of things from his family to his health to his uh, relationship with James Rain. Oh, yes, uh, that's pretty hot stuff, I can tell you, the uh, relationship between him and James. <laughs> but Bill and his brother Guy, his late brother Guy, and that's the sad part of the, the story that's uh, detailed in his book Sons of Beaches, which is out now. But they wrote, among the hits they wrote, Downhearted, Indisposed, which I must admit is probably my favourite, Shut Down, Things Don't Seem, Oh No, Not You mm-hmm. Again, and uh, the uh, unbelievably popular Errol. <laughs> they wrote those, the McDonough brothers. So uh, go, a fine uh, songwriting pedigree and a terrific bloke. Each Bill. song ha- a harder act to uh, oh, follow than the yeah, last one. Absolutely. So we'll get to Bill in the tick. And our food poll is a beauty. Oh, it's something that I love and you hate, uh, I know. Yeah, I've never been able to find a decent macaroni and cheese that I actually thought looked appetising, let yeah. alone tasted appetising. Oh, I know appetizing. we've, uh, we've Americanised and it was say it's the old mac and cheese. Mac. But, uh, look, it is the ultimate comfort food for me, bowl of mac and cheese. Got to love it. We'll find out uh, your thoughts on that. Coming up uh, in our food poll later, and don't forget that food mm. poll is up every Friday on all social media platforms and we'd love you to uh, yes. put your two cents Heartache. worth in and let us know what you think. But let's get to Bill McDonough, our guest in this episode of Food Bites. With her, Sarah uh-huh. Patterson. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Bill McDonough, thank you so much for doing Food Bites today. It's it's lovely to to chat to you and uh, just fill us in to, to get us started. Where in the world are you today? Well, lucky me, I'm down on the Gippsland Lakes on my boat uh, enjoying a Christmas break, <laughs> which has been good because the weather hasn't been too bad. Do you do a spot of fishing on the boat? Oh, look, no, I'm not a fisherman. I just enjoy coming down here and relaxing. You know, it's a liveaboard boat, so you know, there's plenty of space for myself and my wife and the dogs. <laughs> and we just like cruising around and finding a nice beach and uh, or a nice spot, throw the anchor out and, you know, open up a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we come in. It sounds like absolute uh, paradise. So you like a, a nice uh, relaxing wine. What? How do you shape up, Bill, in the kitchen? Oh, look, Meredith will say I'm completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did do a barbecue the other night, which was rare. Look, no, I'm not. I'm not very good in the kitchen. I'm a bacon and eggs expert, you know, the short order cook. I can rustle up a really nice breakfast, but I couldn't compete with my wife, Meredith. She's a wonderful cook. Were you, as, yeah. as a kid growing up, were you just, you know, uh, one minute uh, running around, uh, kicking a footy and jumping in the surf and going swimming and doing all that stuff? And what, were, what are your memories of your childhood uh, in terms of, I know you've, you've detailed it pretty extensively in your book, Sons of Beaches, but uh, mm. what, about, what about the food aspect of growing up? It was pretty uh, sort of middle-class Australian, I would imagine. You know, mum wasn't a bad cook. I mean, back in those days, they would, uh, you know, she'd drown everything with salt, but that's the way they did things in those days. 
but you know, no, we ate we ate well. Um, she you know she would just do standard dishes. I mean, she was a working mother because Dad died when we were very very young. He was only thirty seven when he passed away, and Guy was you know ten, and I was only thirteen. So um, Mum was very adept at you know getting the casserole happening or putting the roast on, going to work, and then there'd be something scrumptious for us when we'd come home. But it was pretty typical 1960s fare, you know, roasts. Oh, she was very good at spaghetti, and she did a fabulous sweet. There was a chocolate pie recipe that she used to make, which I loved. And she lost it, and she tried <laughs> to replicate it, and it never tasted the same. Oh, chocolate pie. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, it was. It had a sort of like a meringue. You know how you do a lemon, um, uh, like a lemon cheesecake type of uh, – mm. Yeah, it had a sort of biscuit base, and uh, yes, it was it was absolutely oh, glorious. The mm. recipe's lost forever. Oh, well. yeah, but we used to do barbecues down, you know, at the yacht club. We we weren't far from Canadian Bay, and they had a boat club down there, and we, you know we were regulars there all the time. And Mum used to on the weekends used to take down, you know, a lovely salad and some snags and um, you know chops and and uh, steak, and we have a barbecue down there on the deck at the yacht club and uh, and then continue on with our outdoor lifestyles. As you said, swimming, snorkeling and sailing and all that sort of stuff. It's good fun. Bill, um, Kevin just uh, mentioned there your uh, your new book, your memoir, uh, Sons of Beaches. You are obviously, as we know, a member of one of Australia's most iconic bands in Australian crawl, you and your brother, uh, Guy. And, and I, I've heard you describe this book as something of, I guess, um, a labour of love. It is about um, your journey and your relationship with your brother um, and someone who you describe as your, uh, your best friend, Um how how was the journey writing the book? And uh, I mean, I, I can only imagine it. It opened up a lot of uh, wounds along the way. Well, yes. I mean, this question does get asked quite a bit, and I answer it like this: In the early times after Guy died, it was hell. I found it very difficult because, you know, not only did um, I lose, you know, my best friend, but I lost my business partner and hopes for extending my career in the music industry. Uh, and it took me five years really to get over Guy's death. So by the time I came to writing the book, I really had sort of got everything in perspective. And I was able to remember, because I've, I've got a very good memory, I was able to remember and recount and get these, you know, uh, adventures and stories down on paper without too much trouble. But I must admit, the the very sad chapter, which is Goodbye Guy, about Guy's death, writing that was uh, difficult, yeah. It brought back the memories because I go into detail exactly what happened. But I wanted to do that because there'd been so much rubbish written about what happened to Guy when he got sick and died. So I wanted to recount it accurately and tell everyone exactly what the situation was. He was incredibly young, Bill, 28. Yeah, he died just a few months short of his 29th birthday. Mm. No, we were robbed. It's a bit like losing, you know, a family member in a car crash. It just these things, you don't expect them to happen, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's tax lotto in reverse. Your number comes up and you're a statistic, and it's just, you know, nothing really prepares you for that, Sarah. You just go, well, 
how did that happen? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, well, it did. And you just had to then try and uh, deal with it, adapt and get on with your life. His legacy, though, musically uh, and, and uh, the, the, you know, what he left uh, uh, as an impression as a human being on the, on the people around him uh, is pretty bloody terrific, though. Yes, and it's growing. What really amazes me about the Australian Crawl legacy is it's got to sort of like 40 years and there's almost been like a resurgence in appreciation of the band. Going through the, the 90s and the 2000s after the band had sort of imploded in 85, 86, uh, there, were, there wasn't much happening for the band. Uh, EMI sort of dropped the ball and they weren't really doing anything, anything with their back catalogue. And I think some people were preferring to sort of focus on some of the greater bands like, or some of the great bands like Midnight Oil, In Excess, Men at Work. And they regarded um, Australian Call as being a little bit lightweight. But now the critics and the general audience have sort of rediscovered the music and and we're getting greater, we're getting very good uh, response and appreciation and accolades for uh, what we actually did. All these years later. Yeah. It was certainly one of the, the backdrop of my uh, childhood, um, Australian Crawl. You had so many hits, and one of, one of the earliest of those, yeah. or perhaps the earliest, um, was uh, The Boys Light Up. And I can only imagine that must have been an extremely tough act to follow, churning out a song like that and then coming up with something else to follow. Yeah, well, James Rain uh, wrote the big hits off um, Boys Light Up, like the title track, Boys Light Up. Uh, Guy and I and Sean Higgins wrote actually the biggest single off that, which was the third single. That was Downhearted. And, yeah, that's why uh, that's why Guy came back into the fold because trying to follow up the great songs on Boys Light Up because there were some rippers, you know, beautiful people, uh, Chinese eyes. You know, James wrote some great songs, Man Crazy, which he wrote with um, Brad Robinson. It was going to be a hard act to follow, so a guy came back in for Sirocco because we'd been playing in a band prior to that called Spiff Rouch, had same lineup, uh, and then we'd sort of split up, and then we'd come back together, minus guy to do the Boys Light Up album, and then of course we had to try and replicate it, as you said, to try and come up with another album of hit songs was going to be difficult, but guy pulled it off. Uh, guy and I wrote seven of the twelve tracks of the second album. And Guy wrote all the singles. Yeah, you're a good, uh, good uh, songwriting partnership, you two. Oh, look, he was the star. Uh, I reckon he would have gone on and written some international hits had he lived. Uh, he would have broken through. He had the ability and the voice uh, to write songs that I think would have appealed to a wider audience because a lot of the crawl songs were very parochial in that they were – we weren't singing about – Los Angeles or New York or Denver or Texas or California. You know, we were singing about Australia. And I think that alienated us to a certain degree and maybe one of the reasons why we didn't crack America. But Guy, if you look at some of Guy's uh, songs, particularly for Sirocco and Sons, and Sons of Beaches, the third album, uh, you know, they, they were based on Australian experiences. They were based on a lot of the adventures that Guy and I did. But they were international adventures and they were cryptic in that they weren't uh, writing about Mount Eliza. You could interpret them as you wish, whether you were an American or you know, a European. 
Yeah, I think that he he could have actually uh, broken through a bit like what Tim Finn did with Crowded House. You know, he came back with another band after Split Ends, and that was the band that had the international um, audience. Bill, as we know, bands can uh, get very political at times, and uh, and you you do detail this in the book, but you didn't see your own departure coming. No, look, James and I started off as great mates. We were very close. We all went to the same school, and it was it was uh, the band Spiff Rouch that I started with Guy. That was the beginning of our musical relationship. We brought James in as our uh, lead singer. He was the first person to join that, and then we added our other musicians being Simon Binks uh, and a bass player called Bob Walker. Uh, and actually, Paul Williams, the bass player in Australian Crawl, played in Spiffrouch very briefly towards the end. So, you know, and when we did Boys Light Up, they were the early days. We were still very, very close, and we were a very, uh, you know, closely knit group. Look, when Sirocco came and then Sons of Beaches came and all of a sudden we've sold three million records and, you know, there's uh, starlets dripping off your arm and, you know, you you become wealthy and famous, people can change. Mm. I mean, I didn't change so much, but, uh, you know, other members of the band did change and they wanted more control. They wanted to do – they wanted autonomy – and they wanted, you know, to take the band in a certain direction. And I'm not that type of person. I mean, I don't believe in dictatorships. Um, we were a group of six people. We were all directors and equal shareholders in that band. And we all had uh, a democratic right to control the band equally. And that's where the trouble started, particularly between me and James. And unfortunately, um, you know, it's culminated in me having to leave in 1983 after the third album. We were preparing for the fourth album, which was the Semantics EP slash LP sessions with Mark Opitz. And I, I just, I missed, I missed out by a whisker. We had, uh, we had a meeting and, uh, you know, I had to go, well, which you, was unfortunate. Well, and, and you, you, you're speaking in such a, diplomatic way, Bill, when you recount the situation, but I can only imagine you must have felt absolutely blindsided by that. Well, I was because when we first started off, we we weren't very good. You know, we were all pretty average and fame and fortune came quickly for us. So we had to learn uh, to improve rapidly and I'd done that. And I, I tell you a story in the book where David Briggs chucked me and now, Paul Williams off a, a rhythm track because, you know, after three takes we hadn't got it and he was in a hurry and uh, didn't have much money from EMI. And, you know, it was ruthless. And if you didn't cut it, you were, <laughs> you know, you were tossed aside. Same with the live shows. We had to rapidly improve. And I, I really put my head down and tail up and I worked very, very hard to improve as a player, as a drummer. And I also contributed to the band from a songwriting perspective. You know, I'd written a couple of hits for the band uh, in Downhearted and Shutdown off the third album. So having contributed hit songs for the band, also having a very important role in terms of, you know, understanding and controlling and keeping a a pretty rebellious guy, McDonough, on the straight and narrow, which was vitally important. 
also gradually, you know, improving uh, as a player over three albums and a greatest hits record to then sort of be told, well, you've got to go. But as look, as I've intimated, it was more a personality clash, uh, you know, disguised as musical differences. (laughs) (laughs) Of that old chestnut. (laughs) Yeah. And, Bill, I'm sure, you know, but so, the same, wanting not wanting to dwell on the situation, but but just fast forward to to today. How do how do things sit uh, now with with you and James? Oh, we don't have any relationship at all, eh. um, and that's his choice. And uh, look, I respect that, but that's the way he operates. And it's not only with me; it's with every member of Australian Call, every surviving member of Australian Call, and even you know the guys that have passed away, Guy and now Brad. He deals at arm's length with his uh, ex-members. So if we need to make a decision about the Australian Crawl company or the Australian Crawl back catalogue, which is now uh, distributed by the huge record company Universal Music worldwide, we have to go to his manager, put our business directly to the manager and then the manager will discuss it with James and then he comes back with his answers and we to and fro like that until we can make a decision. Yeah. And I, as I said on on national television, on the ABC, they asked the same question and they said, well, what do you think about that? And I said, well, quite frankly, I think it's a bit weird. <laughs> and it is. You know, why one, cannot, why, why one cannot pick up the telephone and just have a chat about things I mean, there's plenty of, there's so much water gone under the bridge. But look, it's his choice, not mine, not Paul's, not Simon Binks's. It's his choice. That's the way he runs his show. And that's what we have to deal with. Yeah. Are you doing anything musically these days, Bill? Do you, do you dabble oh, at yeah, all? Yeah. Yes, I am, actually. Yes. Just before COVID, I formed a little trio with an old mate of mine called Peter Blyton, who's a bass player, musician, arranger, uh, producer. The best, well, the most notable song um, to categorise him is Run to Paradise by the Choir Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he produced that. That was a top 40 hit for them and Peter in America. So, look, he's basically semi-retired now, lives on the Gold Coast. And I went up there and went into his home studio and we started, we're going to do a four-track digital EP and release it, you know, through iTunes. And we had a working title for the group. We were going to call ourselves the Bilbies <laughs> after the Marsupial. <laughs> and we enlisted an amazing guitar player called Tony Lopez, another Gold Coast Queenslander, um, you know, who was just <laughs> someone from the suburbs. But he's like Eddie Van Halen. He's just incredible. And we cut one track and then COVID hit. And unfortunately, after COVID, and I, I haven't mentioned this in my interviews, but after COVID, uh, I, I've spent two years recovering from a terrible reaction to the vaccine. So I've been out of action for about three years, and I hadn't been able to get back up to finish the, the other three tracks with Peter and Tony. Uh, I was going to actually release the first track, which was a song I wrote for Australian Core called That's Fine. But then uh, Universal Music were going to release 
a 40th anniversary edition of Call File at the same time the book came out. So I didn't release my track. I just thought, well, my book will come out with the uh, with the release of the Call File uh, Collector's LP. I'll get back to it one day. How, once, how, once are, you doing, um, how are you doing now, Bill? How's your health? Well, I've still got this damn thing. It, yeah. um, it affected my immune system. And I... Uh, <laughs> It was a shocking scenario to go through because I ended up in the Burns unit at Monash Medical Hospital for for just almost a month, about three and a bit weeks. Because what this thing did is it uh, gave me first-degree burns to my entire body. Good God. Yes. I don't talk about it much. You're the first people I've actually told anyone about. But, yeah, it was a a very rare, uh, unique reaction, uh, about one in five million chance, and old Billy McDonough managed to crack that uh, statistic. So I'm about 90% now, I'm about 90%. You can't cure this thing, you've just got to wait for your immune system to flip the switch, you know, flick the switch and uh, go back to normal, and they reckon it does it about after two to three years, and I'm two years this Christmas. Yeah, just gone. So I'm hoping that... um, you know, it'll flick the switch and just go back to normal. I hope so, uh, Bill. It's good to know that you've you've made uh, such a you know a, a strong uh, recovery. That's that's really good to to hear. But uh, goodness me, that just must have been a absolutely horrible experience for you. Now let us let, oh, us, yeah. let, let us jump back into the kitchen for one tick here, Bill, uh, and yeah. uh, tell us uh, <laughs> a sweet tooth or a savoury tooth. You mentioned the chocolate pie before. Is does that, that mean you're you're a sweet tooth person? Well, I'm actually a bit of a, a bit of both. I look, I love savoury foods, and look, I do love sweets. I really do. I love dessert. <laughs> but you know, at my age, as I'm becoming less and well, I'm still very, very active. So you know, I don't have to go to the gym and do all that sort of stuff. But I've got to be a bit careful about eating, you know, cakes and ice cream and all that sort of stuff because it can pop the weight on pretty quickly. Mm. So I, I tend to only eat the, you know, the sweet. Uh, dishes when I'm uh, going to sort of special events like, you know, um, a, like a, a wedding or, you know, um, Christmas time's good. <laughs> you know, we, we had pavlova and all these other beautiful cakes, you know, <laughs> stuff myself as usual. Yeah, you've got to let yourself go over Absolutely. the festive season. And, um, and Bill, just to, to finish up, we usually like to ask our guests uh, if they have a, uh, a kitchen or a cooking tip to share. Do you have one of those? Oh, <laughs> yeah, marry someone like Meredith, my wife, who's a brilliant cook. Because <laughs> I'm very pretty good useless. Yeah. Yes, look, no, uh, look, I, yeah, as I said, look, I, I don't pretend I'm not that great in the kitchen. You know, I do a bit of stunt house c- keeping, a bit of washing up and all that sort of stuff. But I, I do, as I say, I do enjoy, you know, cooking a good old um, fry up in the morning, baked beans, sausages. Grilled tomato, poached eggs, the sourdough toast. I'm really good at that. <laughs> so a lot to be said for a big breakfast. I'm a big fan of a big breakfast. Yeah, yeah I love I love a big breakfast. It sets you up for the day, and then you can have, uh, you know, my my wife Meredith. She's brilliant. She does beautiful curry. She's chicken. Yeah, she does some great stuff. She's a, she, we're we're a big fan of Rick Stein's menus and cookbooks and stuff like that. So. And she, she does a lot of what he does. We love his simplistic approach to food. And we've attended his restaurant at Aladala, Molly Mook. 
probably one of the best restaurants I've been to in Australia. Uh, you look at Gain, it's not it's not expensive and it's very basic and simple fare, but it's just a great take on you know simple dishes, fish, things like that. Fantastic, uh, he's a fantastic uh, chef, that guy or yes. cook. Yeah, yeah. Sons of Beaches is the book that you've written and it's a beauty. People should uh, should uh, spend a bit of their holiday time having a read of that book because it's a great little adventure, you and uh, you and Guy and what you got up to uh, before and after the uh, the Aussie Crawl days. Thanks so much for your time, Bill. Uh, good health to you, mate, and uh, good, good luck for 2024. Thank you. Yeah, oh, yes, I'm on the comeback trail well and truly and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a a great year and, and the same to you too. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. All right, terrific bloke, Bill, and uh, seriously, read the book. It's a really good read. There's so many great memories, uh, because Bill's a similar age to me, great memories of uh, of growing up as a kid and the things that you did and you got up to. Yeah, you did have to mention the Tarwin Lower Pub in our intro, and just now that we've spoken to Bill and we've come out the other side (laughs) and we did talk about the song Beautiful People, Ah, I just wanted to share... With you, just for your own information, mm-hmm. I uh, it's one of those misheard lyrics oh. songs for me. Well, James, James, and uh, <laughs> in deference to James, uh, it's, a, it's a well-known and comedic fact now that James Masochist, <laughs> it's very hard to understand well, James can singing. I say, can you listen to that song yeah. and tell me when you hear it, but right you now. tell me yeah. that he's not saying, to you, Tim will be born. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What was the other famous one you did of James's about? Um, oh, no, I, I had a friend, my dear friend Harry, who uh, impersonated uh, James Rain doing Fall of Rome. That's right. <laughs> one of the more what entertaining was, things that I've ever one? seen. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the words. Yeah. I just can remember the actions and the other uh, voice. And that's one of he the beautiful it. things about listening to Australian Crawl songs. It doesn't matter what you sing because... <laughs> it, it, it's your own interpretation, <laughs> exactly isn't it? right. Lyrics are an optional extra. Uh, uh, lovely to have Thanks, Bill on Bill. the program. Uh, now let's get to our food poll. Oh, the comfort oh. food, the mac and cheese. Are you a fan or not? Mm, I like nah. it, especially if it's got a crunchy top on it. Oh. Don't know about the stuff out of the box. No, no, Charlene no. will start us off and she says it's a nay for Yay, her. says Joe. Now I love Deb Murphy's response here. She says it is a total yay for her, one of her favourites. And she says the Kingston does a ripper pimped up with, Kevin, lobster. Uh, now, so you've just, now, 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 you, now you're taking <laughs> Take the lobster. Take it to new heights. Now you're taking the lobster. Uh, Pete Tanowski says, yay, I love it. Caroline says, I have a box of this in my cupboard. It is an eight sachet box. <laughs> it has six sachets in it still. It has been there for 14 years. <laughs> when my children didn't like the dinner I made for them and didn't want to eat it, I would open up the cupboard, reach for the box, and they would eat whatever was in front of them. One sachet each was enough for them to eat Anything else? That's a fantastic memory, <laughs> it's a great Caroline. Story. Thanks, Caroline. Uh, Lena says a huge yay. Rachel, nay. There are better pasta dishes around. Julie says homemade yes. Packet stuff vomit emoji. <laughs> Muriel says it is a yay for her. Sue says definitely a yay. Daz Smith, our mate, says big yay right here. Davin Nichols says no, not for me. Oh, Davin. <laughs> Good on you, Davin. <laughs> Amanda says it is so yummy and she loves it. Tony Bennett says it's a meh. From me, oh. unless you add bacon. Ah, there you go. See, I tend to add tuna, but that's another oh, story altogether. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. It's now a compound I've just, derailed, I've just derailed the whole thing. Oh. 
Deborah says, I make my own from scratch and it's pretty darn good. Lisa Marie Margaret says, out of the box, yes. Oh, there you go, the craft. The only one. The only mm. one who likes it out of the <laughs> you box. You know, they have like a deluxe version. Oh, no. A deluxe version Seriously? in the box oh, and a God less deluxe me. version. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. God. It's like the Panadol Rapid and the Not So Rapid. I don't know. Yep. Rebecca. I digress, says, oh, my God, yes. It's one of the first things I learnt to make vegan. Terry Daniel says, yeah, look, it's a yay from me. I'm allowed to have a small amount when the grandkids get some because they love yeah, it. It's full of carbs. <laughs> Narelle says, the packet stuff, no way. But now and then I will make one that is loads yummier and... Healthier. I wouldn't have thought mac cheese and healthy was ever ever used yeah, in the same sentence. It depends what you put in the sauce. Sue Hosking says, yay, great comfort food on occasions. Yes, especially with a glass of wine to go with it. Glenn. Oh, uh, <laughs> I am going to vomit. <laughs> big, big glass of Sav Blanc. Uh, plonk. Yeah, Glenn says, big yay to that, Pato. Karen Young says, yay, homemade, of course. Yes, Jamie Duncan, macaroni and cheese for the win. Uh, Murphy says, nah. Die Roll, the publicist, says yay. Old Crokey says, at the risk of causing a diplomatic row with our American <laughs> friends, no. Oh, Old Crokey. Yes, a no from Old Crokey. Uh, uh, now, the voting's are pretty comprehensive. Yeah. A overwhelming uh, run it down the street, uh, run it up the flagpole, uh, and it salutes uh, at 90%. Yay, that's overwhelming. 90%, 9% no, and meh. Got one. <laughs> yeah. See, you know what? There's so many different ways these days that you can do the uh, the base, the sauce. Now, we used to just do a, a classic white sauce like a bechamel and yeah, yeah, yeah. then add lots of different cheese. Yep. But now I know a lot of people put cream in oh, there as the base okay. cream and then some really good quality three different kinds of cheeses. And make sure, you know, people put prosciutto through it. They put bacon, as someone mentioned. Yeah. Um, Okay. And you can put all sorts of things in it, but then you have a lovely big crispy crust on it. I can't think of anything all right. better. I'm willing to give it a try because everyone I've ever had uh, looks looks mm. like it's about to uh, fill every piece mm. of uh, artery mm. that I have. Well, and it will and, and most probably. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's that when I look at it. Yeah. Uh, it, it never looks appetizing. It always looks gluggy. Mm. It always looks um, a heavy meal to have. Mm. And I've, I've never kind of had one where I've, where I've had one mouthful and gone, "Oh, that's really tasty. Mm. I'll have some more." All down to the sauce. So maybe we okay. will um, we'll trial you, Kevin, again with some mac and cheese. Maybe we'll do it this week. Okay. And we'll get your report back for the All next right. episode. But at the I'm a definite no, even though <laughs> 90% is an overwhelming vote in the yes. Oh. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget our Friday food poll. It's up and about. We'd love mm-hmm. you to uh, contribute to that. And don't forget the radio version of the show across the Ace Radio Network every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Thanks to Bill McDonough for being on the show. Thank uh, you, Bill. And check out the book Sons of Beaches. And on that note, we're gone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.